Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. It's always greener over the fence. It's always better in someone else's household, in someone else's job, in someone else's church. It's greener on the other side of the fence. What really is it? That's a sign of our fallen nature, that discontent. We miss out the blessings of God that He pours on our lives because we think on the other side of the fence, it's better. Many of us are familiar with the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Whether it's more money, a bigger house, or a different job, plenty of us are guilty of being discontent. Today in our study, Pastor Ed reflects on being discontent in light of mankind's fallen state. Rather than being content in the blessings of God, we have a natural tendency to complain. This, of course, as we will learn from Pastor Ed, is something that each of us should strive to remove from our lives. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 10, with his continuing study entitled, Be Content, Whatever the Circumstances. It was winter, but it was spring that I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood that I wanted, the freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 that I wanted, the youth and free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age that I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. That aptly describes the discontent that is part of our culture, part of our society. We are bombarded with commercials, bombarded from Madison Avenue, that if we just have this or we just have that, we will truly find happiness. It's all a big lie. Here's an exercise for you. Next time they come on with a commercial and they tell you that if you get this, that'll be the answer. You won't have to worry about anything else. Stand up and say, it's not true. I don't believe it. I guarantee you, you have your family's attention. But imagine if you did that. We're bombarded by all these lies and people wind up believing it's just a little bit more. It's just something else. Rockefeller was asked, how much money does a man need to be happy? And he said, just a little bit more. I read a story about an employer who said to their employee, now they heard them grumbling. They said, oh, I'd be so happy if I only had $100. Ah, oh, man, I'd just be so good. I'd need $100. And so the employer said, I've never seen a content person. So went over and said, I heard you asking about that $100. Here it is. He walked away. He got outside the door and he just looked back and he could hear her mutter, I should have asked for 200 I should have asked for 200 <laughs> Paul the Apostle says, we have to learn contentment. The necessity of learning contentment. In verses 10 to 11, again, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. 
I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. Whatever, whatever the circumstances. Why did the Apostle Paul say, I've learned to be content? It carries with it the ideas or the idea of a disciple, a learner. That's what a disciple is. He's a learner. So Paul the Apostle said, I've discipled myself. I've, I've been learning this process of contentment. It's not something that comes natural to us. It's, discontent is like weeds in a garden. It just happens. By nature, we are restless. By nature, we're always wanting more. Our fallen nature contributes to that type of attitude. The idea that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. In fact, uh, uh, I heard a story about Noel Perrin. Noel Perrin was a farmer in Vermont. And he decided to raise sheep. And so he built a pen with some mesh wire and he put it in the most lush place in his, on his property and he put the sheep in there. And the sheep kept on getting caught in the mesh web because they would put their head through trying to eat the grass on the other side of the fence. And the grass on the other side of the fence was poor, it was thin. And they were walking and moving around in lush green grass and he kept on having to get them out because their heads would get stuck and they would begin to just bleed and and wow he decided to put the family horse inside of that pen and the family horse did the same thing instead of eating the lush green grass right in that penned in area the horse pushed the fence aside and he ate a patch of about three feet of Just grass that was burnt over and wasn't really good at all. The farmers in Vermont discovered this, that they could get musty hay that was wet and they could put it in the feeder and the cattle would never eat it. So what they would do is just put it on the other side of the fence and they would eat it all up. We're somewhat like that it's always greener over the fence it's always better in someone else's household in someone else's job in someone else's church it's greener on the other side of the fence what really is it that's a sign of our fallen nature that discontent we miss out the blessings of God that he pours on our lives because we think On the other side of the fence, it's better. St. John of the Cross wrote, The children of Israel did not find in the manna all the sweetness and strength they might have found in it, not because the manna did not contain them, but because they longed for other meat. Sometimes what happens is God pours out an incredible blessing. And we fail to enjoy it because of discontent. What did the psalmist said? say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. All right. Why are we wanting, 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 wanting? If he's our shepherd, 
will be content. Now, contentment is not natural, but it is supernatural. Contentment is not natural, but it's supernatural. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, how did you learn contentment? The school of life. The school of difficulty. I mean, read his resume. Shipwreck. Stoned beaten, persecuted. See, oftentimes it's in the testing place. Paul the apostle, in the midst of struggle with a thorn in the flesh, he beseeches the Lord three times, and the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient, Paul. I'm going to teach you that I am all you need, Paul. Now, Larry Crabb illustrates it this way. He tells about when he was a child, he felt he was grown up. He was an older boy now. And so he was going to go to the bathroom on his own. He goes into the bathroom and he locks the door. This three-year-old child feels like, I'm grown up now. He can't unlock the door. He panics. He thinks he's going to stay in there forever. He screams, help, help, help. His mother comes running. Did you fall or you're hurt? And he's just crying and wailing. Meanwhile, his father got a ladder and he's climbing up to the bathroom window. He, he goes in and he finds out what the problem is and he just simply opens the door. And Larry runs out and has the blessing of playing with his friends and family. And he said, I grew up thinking that God was like that. I get in a tight place. I get in a difficult place and I just cry and cry. And then God comes and then he just opens the door and I walk into the blessings. He said, now I'm older, about 60 years of age. And he said, I've come to realize it's not like that. No, no, I still get in those tight places. I cry, Lord, help! And God, my father, comes in, but he doesn't open the door. He just sits in the dark with me and talks. He wants to spend time with me. Sometimes in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the trial. When you're crying out, Lord, help me. I can't take it much longer. God simply comes and says, I'll teach you that I am enough, all that you need. Paul said, I have learned contentment. It's supernatural. It's this relationship with God. It's not some stoic attitude. I'm going to just go through this and I'm going to just, you know, uh, plow my way through it. No, 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 no. It's not your power, but it's his power. It's supernatural. Notice, there's a necessity to learn contentment. But also, 
there really are characteristics that make up this contentment. What does it all look like? Well, in verses 11 and 12, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Underline this in your mind. Contentment is independent of circumstances. Contentment is independent of circumstances. It's not having the right circumstances, Paul said. It's not having the ideal situation. Oftentimes what happens is we think, oh, if my circumstances would change... If I just got a little bit more money at work. Well, if my spouse were just a little bit more cooperative with me. Uh, If, 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 if. Do you know back in the late 1970s, Psychology Today did a study of what makes people happy. They took a survey and they had 52,000 people respond between 15 years of age and 95 years of age. And they came up with... 16 things. Let me quickly read that list to you. These are 16 things that make people happy. And they'll be happy if they have them. Friends in social life. Job or primary activity. Being in love. Recognition and success. Sex life. Personal growth. Financial situation. House or apartment. Now, the bottom half says body and attractiveness. Health. And physical condition, number 10. 11, the city you live in. Your religion. Number 13, exercise or recreation. 14, being a parent. 15, marriage. 16, your partner's happiness. Notice all 16 of those things, most of them are outside of the person. Paul says, I do not depend on outward circumstances to make me happy. To be content. That's what he was getting at. We live in a culture that creates appetites in us. It creates desires in us that just make us discontent. We listen to this and we listen to If, if I just get that new kitchen, stainless steel refrigerator, new stove. You know, if I get that new car with all those new gadgets in it. Well, if I... On and on, we have these desires created within us that make us discontent. Bill Gothard said, Contentment is realizing that God has already given me everything I need for my present happiness. Everything you need to be content, God has given you. Paul said, I've learned to be content in every situation, whether in Poverty or wealth, whether hungry or filled. Uh, They believe that Paul the Apostle was very wealthy at one time before Christ. He had climbed up the ecclesiastical ladder and he had reached heights that other people his age had never attained to. Sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, some of the best teacher in Jerusalem. Uh, Paul, the apostle, coming perhaps from an affluent home. But suddenly when he came to Christ, it was gone. It was lost. 
But Paul said, I know how to be content. It's difficult for people who have had a lot, if they lose it, they have nothing. Oftentimes, they become depressed, disillusioned, disappointed. Paul said, no, 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 no. He said, I've learned to be content in plenty and in want. Sometimes plenty is our undoing. As a pastor, I've seen it happen in the church. God blesses his people and we want his people blessed. But God blesses his people and they buy a brand new boat. And attendance at church begins to wane. Well, they're gone up the Hudson and down the Hudson. (laughs) Or somebody gets a financial blessing and maybe they get involved in real estate, they they get involved in their business, Uh, but, but something happens and it takes them away from God. The priority of being in God's presence and being in the house of the Lord and being in communion with God suddenly is pushed to the back burner and there is a discontent that fills their hearts. Paul the apostle says, I've learned to be content. I will not be controlled by my circumstances, whether in abundance or whether in poverty. He uses the same word when he says hungry that Jesus used in the Beatitudes when Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger. It speaks about abject hunger where you could feel the pain and discomfort. He said, I've learned to be content even when my stomach is growling and I haven't had enough to eat. What he was saying is God wants us to know contentment in the midst of every circumstance. Contentment is being satisfied in the midst of every circumstance of life. Our culture is creating unrealistic, expectations of life from Hollywood to Main Street from the political arena to just uh, our institutions when you look at how half the other half of the world lives when you think about how many people live on less than a dollar a day for those who have gone to Zambia Every single one who has gone on the missions trip has noted the joy, the contentment that those people have, those Christians have. And they have so very, very, very little. I remember taking one of the congregants out who worked with Nancy Clark and helped on the grounds. I said, I'm going to take them out to the grocery store and get them something they would really like. And so they kept on saying it wrong, and I discovered what they really wanted was just oatmeal. Just oatmeal. I thought with that shima they wouldn't want oatmeal, but they did. (laughs) Here's what Paul is saying. Your circumstances shouldn't dictate how you feel. You should be satisfied Remember the old chorus? Satisfied, satisfied. He said he'd be my comforter. He said he'd be my guide. Ever since that wonderful day, my soul's been satisfied. Listen, Jesus is more than enough. He will satisfy you. He will meet your deepest need. If you go to him, Paul said, I have learned that secret of being content. In the book of Hebrews, the author says, 
Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. His presence should be more than enough. Bill Gothard said, contentment is understanding that if I am not satisfied with what I have, I will never be satisfied with what I want. The next passage of Scripture has so often been misused, taken out of context, used in a way that anybody's hair-brain scheme it would apply to. Listen to the next verse because it talks about the enablement for contentment. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's part of a paragraph. That follows what precedes. We don't lift verses out of the Bible and just say, oh, I'm going to apply it any way I want. No, no. Paul is talking about in the midst of trouble, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of trials, that God gives him the enabling grace to go through it with strength and with grace and to be an overcomer. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about that thorn in the flesh that he had for years where God said, my grace is sufficient. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just imagine with me. If I were to go up to some of the golfers in our church, how many golfers that we have? We have a few of them. Okay, Pastor Terry, I know there's a golfer, some others. If I were to go out and say, listen, today I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot, and we're going to a golf course where it's 70 par. You know, that's what it is. I said, I'm going to play 70 par. Well, Pastor, we know that you don't golf. We could count the number of times you've gone golfing in your life on our, maybe our two hands. Pastor, no, no, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. I can, oh, all right, all things through Christ to strengthen me, you know. And what would happen is everybody that would come with me would become agnostics. <laughs> People would lose their confidence. They would say, wait a minute. You know, no, no, no. That's not what it's applying to. That's not what it's referring to. It's referring to what God may hand you in your life. That trial, that struggle, uh, that situation that you're facing, and you absolutely feel overwhelmed by it. I was with Don Galeotto this past week. We taped TBN with a number of people, and Don shared about his father. It was in the battle after the bulge. He was on the battlefield, his father was a Christian, and his father became weary and tired. He felt so exhausted, like he just wanted to give up. And here he's walking on the battlefield in Europe, and he's walking, and he finds a pencil. Pencil they might give out in Sunday school class, and it had a scripture verse on it. As your years, so will your strength be. That's what Paul is talking about. That's what he means. God will give you the strength to keep on going, to keep on going, to keep on going. He strengthens you in the midst of every trial that you face. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Oh, I'm battling at the church. God will give you the strength. I'm battling in my family. God will give you the strength. I, I'm battling with my health. God will give you the strength. I'm battling with my finances. God will give you the strength. 
Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.